Hello and welcome to Prodcast, the number one podcast for product teams. The Prodcast podcast is dedicated to bringing you key insights and learnings from the world's finest product managers and product leaders. The only sustainable competitive advantage in your career is to continually learn and grow. And the Prodcast podcast is all about democratizing shared learning for product teams. On today's episode, we're going to hear from Tanay Agrawal, former product manager at Atlin and currently pursuing his master's in product management from Carnegie Mellon. Tanay is an avid product management blogger on Medium, and we sat down to dive into one of his recent articles, Why You Need to Unlearn Your Product Every Day as a Product Manager. We only got to cover three of the six points of the article, but I did link his Medium post in the show notes so you can check out all six points. I apologize in advance for the connectivity issues that we had at times, but this episode is rich with insights that you don't want to miss. So let's get started. Hey, today, welcome to the podcast. Hi, John. Glad to be here. How are you? Doing well. How are you doing? I'm good, too. Good, good. Glad to hear it. So to, to kick things off today, could, could you give a quick introduction of yourself and, and what you do at Atlin and... and what you're doing at, at uh, Carnegie Mellon? Sure. Um, so my name is Tane and I'm originally from India. Um, so I've been in the tech industry for four years now. So I started off my career as an Android mobile developer and then slowly transitioned into a backend engineering role. So while I was an engineer, um, I s- developed an interest into the product role. And for the last two years, I've been leading a mobile-based data collection tool, which we were building for the next billion users. And I did that till the December of 2019. And in my journey to become a better product manager, I then finally joined Carnegie Mellon University to pursue my master's in product management. So that is what I'm doing right now at CMU. That's awesome. I know a lot of people that have been in product for a while talk about how you know, there weren't degree paths for this back when they started. So it's really cool to see, um, you know, leading edge universities like Carnegie Mellon, Mellon offering uh, degree paths like that. Right, right. So, Tanae, you wrote this really great article called, you know, as a product manager, you need to unlearn your product every day. And I'm really curious where the inspiration for that came from. Uh, so this article is a result of my experience as a product manager. So whatever I wrote in the article is all the things that I did not do right as a product manager. Now, fortunately or unfortunately, because of coronavirus, I'm spending a lot of time at home. So I did get a chance to reflect back on my career and ask myself that uh, what I would tell myself if I could turn back the clock two years and what advice will I give to myself? And so I could recall a lot of things, but these were some of the things that really stood out for me. And this blog is a result of that. Very cool. So the the first point kind of getting into the the body of the article, the the first point you made was about uh, new feature launches um, and, and how sometimes we can assume as product managers that users will automatically find it or adopt it so that doesn't always happen as we know so what do you feel creates that disconnect between us and our users and what steps 
do you think we can take to ensure that the feature will not only be discoverable, but adopted by the user? Sure. Uh, so I think what happens is as a product manager, you do spend a lot of time with your product. And what starts happening is that you become so habitual of using your own product that unconsciously you start overlooking the experience from the perspective of a new user, right? So, so you see your product growing over a period of time, but you completely disconnect yourself with what the experience is today if someone signs up uh, to the product today. Uh, so, so what you need to essentially do is that whenever you're launching a new product, you need to completely wipe off all your product knowledge, all the product biases that you have, take a step back and use the product as if a new user would use it today. So you sign up again and just work like a new user and only operate on the basis of the information that is presented to you today. And your job is to figure out those missing pieces of information that the user cannot get to reach to that new feature. And based on that, then you can decide that whether the UX needs to be improved or the UX copy needs to be improved or maybe you might have to change the whole information architecture of the application, right? So whenever you're launching a new feature, your product needs to create an emotional response of that in the user's mind that I want to use this feature instead of I have to use this feature, right? Because humans are lazy decision makers and they won't um, use something until and unless they are unable to accomplish something with the existing knowledge and capabilities that your product already offers, right? So I think, let me help you understand that with an example. So long time ago when Slack launched their integration with Google Drive, uh, there are two ways they could have gone about it, right? So as soon as I received the product update, they could have told me that, hey, look, uh, we now have Google Drive integration, go ahead and use it. But what Slack did was, they did not offer me that information right away. They used a concept called contextual onboarding, which essentially means that they presented me with that information about the feature and gave me the knowledge about that feature when I actually needed it, right? So which in this scenario meant that they gave me this information when I was actually sharing a Google doc with my colleagues on Slack and which is when they mentioned that, Hey, look, now we have a new Google drive integration. So they use something called contextual onboarding. And the second thing that they did really well was instead of just communicating with me about the feature, uh, they also explained me the value proposition and how it is going to add value to me. So instead of just saying that, uh, now we have Google integration, they, said that now you can know instantly as soon as someone comments on your document and you can reply on those comments right away from the Slack threads. And that was a game changer for me. I was like, wow, I want to use this right now. So, yeah. Yeah, that, that's a really good example. I think they, they combined in that, in that use case a couple of things really well, right? Like you mentioned contextual right. onboarding and they had a trigger kind of predefined that when you did this action, this is when we present you the information. But then to your Correct. point, 
they also made it extremely visible to the value that that you would get from it so i right. think that's that's really because, powerful yeah and then the ability to you know come in right from the thread was that game changer for me this is why i want to use this feature yeah it makes a ton of sense they they made it yeah. a really delightful experience right so point number 2 was one that it was probably one of my favorite points um cuz we get as product managers and and working with marketing we get stuck on on pricing quite often and, and this can get pretty heated internally around pricing conversations and right how we should right. position ourselves. So, but it feels like the essence of this point is that features don't determine value. So can right. you explain the pricing conundrum that, that PMs can find ourselves in as the product evolves and matures over time? Right. Uh, so I think there are like a couple of points I want to make here. And, and as you mentioned that uh, features definitely do not define the pricing of the product. And uh, I also feel that the pricing of a lot of products do not evolve as the product evolves, right? Um, so the first problem that a lot of products and product managers run into is that over a period of time, your pricing just keeps getting complex and complex and you just don't realize it because you have seen it growing over a period of time. So for you, it still makes sense. It's pretty straightforward. But then again, for someone who's coming new to your product, they never saw the first stage of the pricing and they're just looking at your final stage of the pricing, which is today. And it is very difficult for using a tier-based pricing. So initially you might have launched with just three or four really good features in your MVP. But now after maybe six or seven months, when you have 10 new features, you have been adding all these features to different pricing tiers. And now what has happened is that your pricing tiers have become really overwhelming for the users. Like they are finding it really hard to compare against each other and also compare your product against the competitors, right? So, so this is the first issue. The second one is that initially when you're launching your product, you do spend a lot of time uh, with your sales team, marketing team uh, to you know, decide a pricing model and roll out your product. But the problem happens when you set that pricing model to stone. Now, as your product grows, a lot of the companies only think of customer acquisition as the only growth lever for their product and not think of pricing in that way. Uh, so if you ask someone that, what are you doing to increase your revenue? Um, so most of the people will respond that we are looking to acquire more and more customers, right? So that is the second challenge. And I think the third challenge is underpricing your product just to gain more and more market share, right? So, so let me give you an example. Uh, of the two most important content streaming platforms that we have today, Spotify and Netflix, right? So if you see that Netflix has been increasing their prices by $1 or $2 every 12 or 15 months, right? So they grew, so their standard plan grew from about uh, $8.99 to $12.99 today. 
And if you see that the product has grown over a period of time in terms of features, the quality of content is really improving. And if you ask users, they also agree with the same. And there was really no pushback from the users in terms of why you're increasing the pricing. Whereas in case of Spotify, they have been charging the same price for a very, very long time. And university students are paying about $4.99 for their plan, along with which they get a Hulu subscription. And, and standard premium plan is priced at $9.99. So a recent survey was conducted last year wherein, uh, where they asked students that how much are you willing to pay for the product? And it turned out that people are almost willing to pay double the amount that they're uh, paying right now. Uh, but Spotify cannot raise their prices because of the heavy competition in the market from Apple Music, Google Music, right? But it is hurting Spotify because they only have one product, whereas Apple and Google have a portfolio of products. So they are just eating up into each other's revenue. And when your product evolves in competition in the market, so most of your customers are going to be with one of the competitors and your customer acquisition curve is eventually going to flatten out. Like you no longer can acquire new customers, but then how do you grow your business? So the only way to grow your business is that one, you can increase the prices from time to time. The second, you need to design your pricing tiers in such a way such that your users are moving from a lower tier to higher tier over a period of time. Uh, so the features that you place in your pricing tiers should be placed in such a way that su such a way that they mimic the journey of the user on the product so that they can see themselves growing along with the product. And, and another example I had on underpricing was like recently last year, Spotify, Apple Music and YouTube Music launched in India and they are all pricing their product at about $1.50. Now that is a price of a burger in that country and you get more than 30 million songs for that price. Now that is really hurting Spotify and they're losing a lot of money because you see that it's an amazing product. The product is going in uh, terms of its features and, and new artists are coming up on the platform every day and their, and their library of songs is ever growing. So yeah. Some great examples. So point number four is, is the other one I want to talk about. Um, you call it the fact that there can be disconnects in the product, you know, with voice, language, personality, and in different parts of the product, those, those items might be different, which right. can cause conflict to user experience, to brand narrative. So in your experience, what, what causes this to happen and how does unlearning your product help prevent this disconnect? Um, so over a period of time, what happens is that, so when you start small, so you as a product manager are mostly responsible for the user experience of the product. But over a period of time, your team grows 
the thought process of you and your team evolves and it becomes mature, um, you start having people who are specifically responsible for the UX copy, the user experience of the product. So the people who were responsible before for the user experience, now they're looking at something else. And then now there are new people who are looking after those aspects of the product. So one, when different people take responsibility for maintaining that identity, personality, and experience on the product, even though you might have guidelines, but the way the product communicates keeps on changing, right? So I think that is the only reason which might create this disconnect. And there is no doubt about the fact that when you're growing, your every feature that you're building is better than the last one. And it should be, because if that is not happening, then your product is not growing. So, so what you need to make sure is that, again, like I mentioned in the point number one, that you need to completely remove all your existing knowledge of the product. Make sure that you are looking at, at the looking at your product from the lens of a new user and just working based on the information that is presented to you. Look at things and words which your product is using and see that if you have explained this to the user somewhere at some point before and make sure that there is no jargon that you're using that the user might not understand. And what you'll have to do from time to time is that you, you need to allocate time to revisit all those old modules that your team has worked on and sync them with how your product is moving forward and with all the latest features that you might have shipped out. So you will have to, you know, allocate time for those things as well, wherein you rework how the product communicates with the user across products. Yeah, that, that makes complete sense. It, it's interesting between the time that we, we scheduled this interview to today, I, I listened to this podcast called Product Marketing Life by okay. Product Marketing Alliance. And one of the product marketers from HubSpot was, was giving a, a presentation on brand narrative. And the, the concept was that at these companies like HubSpot, and I think one of the other places that this person worked, there was somebody responsible for the narrative of what was going out from the company externally. But it almost right. feels like product teams could benefit from someone who, either someone who is dedicated on internal product narrative <laughs> or, right. or it would necessitate like a greater, um, you know, cross-functional communication level where as more product teams come on, um, that there needs to be some alignment on what voice Correct. and personality the product is presenting. Correct. And Slack, I think does a very good job at that. I mean, I mean, it has a very young dynamic and a vibrant personality and it maintains that across its like website, product, marketing, communication, like everything. It's just brilliant. I agree. I think that's why it's taken off so well. <laughs> yeah. Cool. So today we only covered three of, of the six points in your article. Uh, the article right. is rich with insights and, and great content. So if, if someone wants to go and, and read the other three and, and read the three that we talked about, where would they go to find the article? Um, so the article is available on Medium. So it has been published under the Product Coalition. And it is also live on Hacker Noon. 
And so, yeah. Okay. I'll put a link to both, uh, to Medium, so they can find you there and on Hacker Noon. And right. um, if someone wants, would want to connect with you, where could they find you? Um, so you can definitely connect with me on, so you can follow me on Medium and Twitter. My handle is T-A-N-A-Y-A-G-R-A-W-A-L-1-9. So that's Tane Agarwal 19. And feel free to connect with me over LinkedIn. I am happy to respond and catch up. Awesome. Well, thanks, Tanae. Thanks for coming on and, and sharing your experiences and the, and the takeaways that you've gotten so far. And uh, best of luck mm-hmm. at, at Carnegie Mellon. And hopefully all this uh, coronavirus stuff dies down so we can, you can get back to it. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, you too. Stay safe. That was Tanae Agrawal, former product manager at Atlin and grad student at Carnegie Mellon. As tricky as pricing can be, I loved hearing how Tanae thinks about pricing strategy. There was so much to take away from this episode, so please share this out with your fellow PMs or product teams. I know they'll benefit from it. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode as we continue to bring you key insights from the world's finest product managers and product leaders. To help others find us, feel free to share this episode and leave us a five-star rating on iTunes and the Apple Podcast app, and a review telling others what you like about the show. Thank you for joining us, and we look forward to seeing you in the next episode of Podcast.